my iPad decided it was going to update right now. So I'm going to squint at my phone. But this is going to be all right. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. No, really, it will be. Okay. So one more scripture reading this morning from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what had been, being, been said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth and Galilee. There, the child grew up healthy and strong, he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. 
Now, what's particularly interesting to me about this story is how unhidden Jesus is. How unhidden the Messiah is. Because God tells some shepherds to tell the good news. God tells an old man that says, he says to him that you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And right out in the open, in the temple, he says, praising the Lord, that he is seeing the salvation of God. And then you got this crazy old lady who never leaves the temple day and night, fasting and praying, and she goes and tells everybody who had been waiting expectantly for the salvation of Jerusalem, for the rescue of Jerusalem about this child. It's odd to me because if this really sunk in for people, then why don't we have any testimonies in the New Testament about like a passing interaction where a person mentions that they were there when he was dedicated in the temple? Or, um, you know, somebody who had heard the news from the shepherds and they finally saw him doing this work when he had grown up. Why isn't there any account like that. Because I feel like, wouldn't there have been somebody who had been like stalking this guy for 30 years, like waiting, like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Or maybe, maybe there was someone that was expectantly waiting that just never made it into the account. That's possible. Or maybe they were hopeful for a while, but when it got after year, after year, after year, it seemed like, ah, must have been another crazy person saying a crazy thing. I mean, everybody wants the salvation to come. But still, this bothers me. This bothers me because even if a crazy old lady said this, even if it seemed unbelievable at the time, why didn't it sink in for these people because they had the chance to crown the Messiah right then and there. They had all kinds of people who were testifying to the fact that this was the Messiah. I mean, multiple people and many people who had heard the good news. So what's the problem? What's the issue? If there were people who really believed, then what? happened. How could they forget? Now, people forgetting is not something that's abnormal to Scripture, right? Now, I mean, to be fair, sometimes it's like it, the kids didn't, weren't there for when something happened to the parents, so they didn't get to experience it for themselves. But there are plenty of times when God comes through and then they're like, I don't know if he can do it again. I don't know if he's that powerful. I mean, that last thing was pretty good, but I don't know. Maybe it was just a fluke. The disciples are even doing this, right? They see Jesus do miracle after miracle, and yet they're still freaking out. They're freaking out about the amount of food. They're freaking out in the middle of the storm. They're freaking out 
time and time and time again. It seems like we forget the magnificent things that the Lord has done in the past, and it keeps us from having faith in the present. And you know, forgetting is not something we choose to do, right? I mean, some of us, I mean, all of us, I feel like have a memory. It's like, you know, I wish, I wish I could just wipe that out. I had that little men in black device, just wipe it clean, just specifically that memory. We would love to be able to do that. But most of the time, we're just forgetting the things that we never wanted to forget in the first place. But it's not as if we ever said, you know what, clicking the button, I want to forget that. Because I think forgetting is a lot more like hoarding than it is like wiping a hard drive. It's a lot more like gathering too much stuff than it is about deleting or getting rid of things. We become distracted by the things that are useful in the everyday. We keep accumulating these things. We have great memories, and we don't want to forget them. But, I mean, we've all had those situations where a great memory is sparked in your head that you haven't thought about in years because something comes up in your life that makes you think about it once again because you put it away in the attic of your mind, the attic of your soul. But you never really said, oh, I'm going to put this away. It's just like your subconscious just filed it away because it wasn't out in the open. You weren't using it for everyday life. It didn't seem relevant anymore. And so you forgot. You didn't choose to forget, but you didn't choose to remember. And so I can't help but think that these people who experienced the good news of the Messiah had it right in front of them. Totally believed. There had to be somebody totally bought in. But the busyness of life, the treading of the wine press, paying taxes to Rome, milking the goats, planing the lumber, weaving the baskets, and whatever else distracted them. And that prized memory got filed away in the attic of their soul. Because I'm sure there had to have been someone when Jesus' ministry started realized, I wonder if that was that boy that night. I wonder if that's that boy that Anna told me about. Because they had filed it away. It hadn't been relevant to their everyday life. And so it's great. It's great that we have Christmas as a day to remember the birth of Jesus of God becoming man, of the incarnation, of God becoming one of us in order to save us. 
But my question to you is, when December rolls around, are you digging out the good news of Christmas from the attic of your soul? Or is it already sitting on the bookshelf? Because it's relevant to your everyday life. Is the good news of Christmas ever in front of you? Or is it like those stupid, God-forsaken Christmas lights that your wife makes you dig out every single year that are the bane of your existence? Now, I got lucky this year. I didn't have to get up on the roof because enough of my lights went out, so I just only had enough to decorate the porch conveniently, okay? I'll have, I'll have to do it next year. You'll see me up there next year. I won't be able to get by. Clearance, clearance Christmas is coming. So, but those lights, or is the good news of Christmas already right there in front of you? is the relevance of God becoming a man always in your heart? Or do you get busy in life? Do you let driving on the bypass, going to Popeye's, is anybody going to Popeye's? Pastor Christian goes to Popeye's. Coming to Lakeview, whatever it is, let your subconscious pack away the nativity in the attic of your soul. Because the good news of Christmas is not just for Christmas, the good news of Christmas is for each and every day of your life to bring you hope to bring you thankfulness, to bring you joy and celebration. And so my encouragement to you is that I want you to be one of those crazy people that leaves their Christmas decorations out all year, (laughs) at least metaphorically, okay? But maybe you could leave your nativity set out all year if that is helpful to you. But leave it there. Remind yourself daily of the good news of the incarnation, of God taking on flesh so that we could be with him. Each and every day, could you remember Christmas and thank God that he sent his son for us? Could you choose not to forget the good news of Christmas that came on that night in Jerusalem? 2,000 years ago. So let's stand together and sing Silent Night.